0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. But you know what the funny thing about Europe is? What? It's a little different. I mean, they got the same over there that they got here, but it's just, just there, it's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a you know, paper cup, I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer in McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in
1: Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? No, oh, man, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the quarter pounder is. What do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese.
0: Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Well, Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. A Le Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call it? Wabba? I don't know. I didn't go on a Burger Yeah. <laughs> How do you write dialogue like that? That's from Pulp Fiction and we are talking about Quentin Tarantino and I'm joined in studio by TV host, executive producer of Spotlight, Lisa Cannon. Lisa, good morning. Good
1: morning. Oh, it's Quentin Day. Quentin Day. And of course, anyone that knows that line, I'm sure people were quoting it there in their cars. That's number 81 of the 100 greatest movie lines of all time. Of all time.
0: Now, let's talk about Quentin the boy, um, his parentage and how he got into cinema.
1: Yeah, Quentin, I mean, Tarantino, people just agree. Don't they? They don't even say Quentin anymore, Quentin Tarantino. So born March 27th, 1963, he, of course, is an American film director, writer, producer and actor. And of course, his his films are characterised by stylized violence. And this is something that he started off as a youngster, kind of playing with extended dialogue and the pervasive use of profanities, which we all know in popular culture. He's actually, like myself, an only child. Uh, Connie McHugh was his mother and his father was an aspiring actor who left the family before Quentin Tarantino was born. And he's of Irish ancestry through his mother's side, believe it or not. Yeah, he's there's very proud some of it. Cherokee blood in there, though. That's right. His father um, claims he's half Cherokee and of Italian descent, but he was named after a part in Quint Asper, Bert Reynolds' character in a TV series called Gunsmoke, if anyone remembers that TV series. And uh, Tarantino's mother met uh, his father during a trip to Los Angeles, and after a brief marriage and a divorce, um, yeah, he returned to live with his mother in Los Angeles. So essentially, raised as an only child by his mother in LA
0: Now talk to me about his uh, interest in cinema where it came from because he did not go to film school
1: No um, Quinton a bit like Spielberg I think he was an experimental film director he kind of stumbled across filmmaking and he's always had the interest in writing and of course movie making so at 14 years old he wrote one of his earliest works it's a screenplay which was called Captain Peach Fuzz and the Anchovy Bandit. Have you ever heard a name like that? And it was based on, of course, the 1977 film Smokey and the Bandit. Now, his mother ridiculed his writing skills when he was younger. So as a result, they became estranged and he vowed that he would never share his wealth with her. And then at 15 years of age, he was grounded for shoplifting. You know, he was a little bit like, you know, he he was a little bit truculent as a child, but he did attend a community theatre practice where he participated in plays like Romeo and Juliet, and then he dropped out of school. But his interest in writing always was steadfast and through all the way Mm. through the 1980s.
0: Now, he, he worked in a video store and therefore, I suppose there were idle hours. He got to see movie after movie after
1: movie. After movie. And he also talks about working, which is just as important, believe it or not, about working in an adult movie store and an usher in an adult movie theatre for five years. So his movie knowledge of both uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera, but also of indie movies, you know, underground movies, pornographic movies, mainstream movies, was so vast that people knew him all around the area to ask for his opinion. The cat now,
0: there you go. Um, when you told me you were, you were going to be talking about Tarantino, you mentioned that he actually was seen on television in The Golden Girls.
1: That's right. That's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Because he's well, an actor I looked it up. I, it's on. It's
0: available online. Uh, he do. plays an Elvis impersonator, but he's one of a group <laughs> of Elvis impersonators at a wedding of one of the Golden Girls, and you can see him hamming it up in the back row of these Elvis impersonators. I'd say it's one of those. You know, you remember that uh, Boys Own. Sequence that Gay had on the Late Late Show yes. with Boys on, you know, an embarrassment for life. I suspect that uh, Tarantino would love to get rid of that sequence off the internet, but it's there.
1: It's there. He can be seen. There's some great footage around uh, of him and and all of, all of his work, but actually, there's a funny story about the Golden Girls because he actually was paid, wasn't it, about $650 yeah. and this funded, you know, his kind of setup of Reservoir Dogs. So he had to make money somewhere, Pat. Yeah. And
0: it turned out then that he was paid residuals because it kept on being repeated and repeated as one of the favourite episodes and because he was signed up and his agent obviously did a good job he got residuals so yeah. 650 originally but it amounted to three grand That's by a lot the of to- money That's, that's a, a lot, lot of money in
1: 1988 now, So you know that's how people make their movies So, so scrounge and scrape and What was his first proper eye? movie then? Okay, well he met um, a, a pal of his called Lawrence Bender at a barbecue and he discussed with him about this unwritten dialogue-driven heist film. And his friend had kind of encouraged him to write the screenplay which he wrote in less than three and a half weeks a very short period of time. He presented to him unformatted and of course Bender was impressed with the script. You know it's all about this in Hollywood. You have to meet a director you have to push it forward on a table whether it's Universal or Lionsgate or Disney or wherever it's going to be. And he ha- he helped through his contacts to director uh, Monte Hellman. And Hellman cleaned up the script and helped him secure funding from Live Entertainment, which became artisan and we all know as uh, Lionsgate. Harvey Keitel read the script, contributed to the budget. He took the role as a co-producer and away we go in the release of 1992's major crime thriller, Reservoir Dogs.
0: And that was his real breakthrough at that point.
1: That was his real re- breakthrough because not only did he write and direct it, but he acted in it as well. So obviously we have his Golden Girls debut. <laughs> <laughs> Many others. He's a great actor. I mean, he, he plays cameos in all his movies I'm sure everybody knows that and uh, the film of course Reservoir Dogs was screened at Sundance Film Festival a huge hit great positive response from us critics and away we went because then he was offered pulp all his, Fiction exactly and all his, his projects that he was offered many he didn't do including Speed in 1994 with Keanu Reeves Men in Black with Will Smith but instead he went straight to Pulp Fiction which Now Pulp
0: up. Fiction uh, amounted to the resurrection of John Travolta
1: Yeah and we had spoken before you know because John Travolta wasn't the original well he was one of the originals for the script but there was many others that wanted the role of Vincent Vega and um Tarantino has said that Uma Thurman in fact was originally turned down the role of Mia Wallace excuse me and she was so desperate to have her as Mia he ended up reading her the script over the phone and finally convinced her to take the role and Uma is his muse she's been in so many movies the Kill Bill movies and many as well but that's where she started and there's great trivia around Pulp Fiction many people don't know this that the shot of John Travolta plunging that famous syringe into her chest was filmed by John Travolta Travolta pulling the needle out and running the film backwards so a quirky director right. with many movie making skills of his own
0: yeah now uh, the uh, let's hear another clip this time is from django and change and you can tell me about this clip okay hey! lay your palms flat on that tabletop if you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop mr pooch is gonna let loose with both barrels that sawed off There have been a lot of lies set around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can't believe! What's happening there?
1: This is Leonardo DiCaprio, who is at the top of his table, a very volatile, uh, unchained individual. And of course, he smashes his hand down on the table. You can hear that. And he actually completely severs his hand. So that's Leonardo in pain, but continuing through the scene, improvised as best he can. What a triumph. Now, the
0: the technique of, of writing, I mean, Quentin Tarantino seems to be able to churn it out very quickly. But everything is kind of stewing away in the background before he actually starts to write. He's he, he is like a magpie. He picks up bits and pieces everywhere.
1: Absolutely. And of course he's always had to, well frequently he's had to defend of course his use of violence saying that violence is good and it affects audiences in a big way. He's very famous, a bit like Scorsese for his number of expletives. And uh, of course Pulp Fiction being one of them, over 400 expletives in that and Django Unchained as well. But he really is um, a maverick when it comes to filmmaking because he blends kind of aesthetic elements in tribute to his own favourite films and filmmaking. So let's talk about Django, for argument's sake. If you know the movie itself, the green jacket and the cowboy hat mm. that Django and Chain uh, wears is actually a nod to the Western TV series Bonanza. So he really adds elements of his own love of film as a young boy into his own movie making. And I think he's wonderful. I mean, Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, all his suits were partially inspired by the character of Rep Butler, Clark Gable, in the film Gone with the Wind. My so goodness. there's always nods to yeah. film. Now,
0: he's talking about his last film.
1: That's right. Oh, I don't know where to start in this one. Will he retire? Will he not? Uh, Quinton's an elusive character. I think it's very difficult to pin him down and say that he will or he won't. I hope he doesn't. I, I, You know, my own personal opinion of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that I enjoyed it, but I thought there was more left in the tank. I really feel he can deliver another.
0: All right. Lisa, thank you very much for reviewing the career of... Uh, uh, A difficult man. There's no doubt about it. Quentin Tarantino. And that's Lisa Cannon, TV host, executive producer of Spotlight. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.